Territory Orange with Pastor Rebecca Tucker Motley and Chelsea Holt, Music Director of Orange Presbyterian Church in Orange County, Virginia. restaurant and there was a native Spanish speaker there and I started my shift at like four o'clock in the afternoon and I said buenos dias because it was a good day right it's during the day that was the wrong thing to say whoa no they were very nice about it they explained to me that it's uh what buenos dias as you say like kind of during the daytime but then about four or five o'clock it's buenos tardes and then buenos noches is like goodbye good night Wow, Linda, who keeps track of this? That's interesting. Yeah. I can't imagine. But, I mean, we kind of have the same similar thing going on, right? Like, when does afternoon turn to evening? We have that conversation in my house all the time. When does it happen? Well, we have dinner really early because I have young kids. So we have dinner at 5.30, which to some people is just, like, insanely early because that's still considered afternoon. Mm. Six o'clock is nighttime. But in my house, evening starts at 5. But I, so I guess it's all situational. See, I feel like afternoon stops around four. Because then it's like, if most people go to bed around nine or ten, like, then night would be nine or ten. Evening would be four to eight. Afternoon would be, like, twelve to four. I like that, except that my kids don't get out of school until four. So I like to, I don't like to think that my kids are getting out of school at in the evening. evening. Yeah. Especially, especially when it doesn't get dark until, like, 9 o'clock at night. Except in December when it gets right. dark at, like, 4.07. Ugh. Yikes. But we're not looking forward to that. Yes. None of this is relevant to what we're going to talk about today, except for the fact that we were talking about everybody's favorite subject, family. Love that. Love it. <laughs> yes. So, hi, I'm Pastor Rebecca. And I'm Chelsea. Am I talking? I feel like I'm talking really loud. I just want I can adjust levels later. It doesn't okay. matter. I'm just trying to match whatever level you're at so we can figure it out later. Okay. It's all fine. Um, so, yeah. So, I'm the director of... Uh, music director. Director what, of music. What do you do here? I don't even know. Do you even go here? Do you, she doesn't, are you wearing pink? No. It is Wednesday. Is it Wednesday? Mm-hmm. I've forgotten what day it is. You're wearing pink. Well, ish. Ish. My watch band is pink. I'm not wearing pink at all. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and we work at Orange Presbyterian Church in Orange County, Virginia. Orange County, Virginia. What a what a unique place. Population four hundred seventeen. I don't know. <laughs> we'll look it up later. <laughs> Interesting um, about Orange is that there's the town of Orange and then there's the county of Orange, and so it really depends on which one you're talking about. Oh. Okay, wait, so funny thing about Orange while we're on it. When I was rolling in this morning, I noticed this trolley called the Toot Trolley. The toot Trolley, yes. What? Town of Orange Transit. That's what I made out, but I was like, surely no one's calling this the Toot. Oh, it is the Toot. <laughs> Come to Orange County. Our trolley is called the Toot. The Toot. <laughs> oh, gosh. Orange is such a fun place. I love Orange. I have lived in many different places, and I love living in Orange. 
because it's such an interesting town. And I use the word interesting very specifically. Oh, goodness. Tell me more. Oh, just, you know, Orange is, has its, it's a small town and it has its baggage. Mm. You know, this is um, rural Virginia. We're about an hour and a half away from Richmond, which, as you should know, is the cap- was the capital of the Confederacy. And there are parts of Orange that very much re- reflect and represent that side of history. But then there's also a very progressive side of Orange. Um, you know, we have the town Democrats. We have a very thriving LGBTQIA community, which you would never know just driving through. Um, so it's just a very divided <laughs> community, but we come together and do a lot of really interesting things as a community. In September, there's going to be this street festival, which if you've ever been to the street festival in Orange, it is huge. Wow. It is massive. Everybody from all walks of life is found there. There is the town Halloween celebration, which has been going on forever, and all of the kids of the community will come and the local businesses pass out Halloween treats. That's cute. It's super cute. In December, there's the Christmas, um, what is the thing? Parade, the Christmas parade. Cute. So it's just like, there's, it's a really like kind of divided community as far as ideologies go, but then the town unites and does really awesome, fun things. Kind of Hallmark-ish. Hallmark-ish, right, Hallmark yeah. Movie-ish. Hallmark movie-ish. Hallmark movie-ish, yeah. So I love living in... I'm an outsider. I'm a come here. I am not a from here. I admit that. But I enjoy living here. So church, we go to church. We, we go do to church things. And on church, we read lectionary. Well, we are, well, I'm off lectionary for now. Because it's ordinary times and we do what we want. I, yeah, I am. I'm all about those sermon series. It's I, all fair game. That's I, what I love, love a about good it. sermon series. Here's the thing that I love about sermon series. If you do it right, you kind of have this overall theme. And so you think about this theme. And the sermons, for me anyway, they really write themselves. Nice. Um, so if you weeks, months ago, I did a sermon series on love, and I might have talked about this already. I can't remember if we talked about it in the other podcast or not. We'll go for it. So I talk, but so it's just like, you think about all these different avenues you could go down for love, and like love is such a big topic where it's like, oh, you know, you think of all these stories and all these anecdotes and all these illustrations, and it's like, okay, well, I'll use this one this Sunday, and this one this Sunday, and this one that Sunday, and the sermons just kind of write themselves, and it's just really fun, and I enjoy them. There is a lot to talk about, though. Let's talk about what we're doing on Sundays. Family. Yeah. We're circling back to family. So what we're doing on Sunday, we have have started this sermon series based on For the Beauty of the Earth, and we are on the fourth verse, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah, we did the third one last week. For the joy of human love, for brother, sister, parent, child... Yeah. Is that from memory? Yeah. Wow. Friends on earth and friends, friends above, above for all gentle, gentle thoughts and mild. Lord of all to thee we raise this our hymn of great poem praise. That's how I would have done it if I were Stephen Curtis Chapman and not Chelsea Holt. <laughs> we should get him. We should, yeah! We should get him. Stephen Curtis Chapman, come on the show. If you're listening to this somewhere out there, you're an icon. We, we stand. 
Also, separately, completely separately, uh, Billy Graham's house is for sale. Oh my goodness. His Montreat house is for well, it was for sale. I, it might have been bought by now. But it was for sale for $600,000. What do you think of that? <laughs> That's it? I would have imagined he lived in a much bigger house than a half a million dollar house. Oh, I don't know. I think he's pretty modest. That's still a pretty penny. Have you been to his museum? I didn't know he had a museum. Yeah, the Billy Graham Museum. I've been there like twice. I can't remember where it is offhand. Wow. Um, but it's actually really cool. So, okay. So we're talking about family. Um, and the passages, the, the main passage that I'll be preaching on is Genesis 50, 15 through 21. And what's happening in this passage is that this is the story of Joseph. And Joseph is a doozy of a story. So Joseph was born as the son of Jacob, who was the son of Isaac. And Isaac was the son of Abraham. So we're talking about pretty heavy lineage here. And Joseph was the, the son of Jacob, whose name was turned to Israel, and Rachel. Now, Jacob loved Rachel, but he had another wife named Leah who happened to be Rachel's sister. So talk about awkward love triangles here. So Leah had a whole bunch of kids. Rachel only had one kid. And so Jacob favored Joseph to the point where, you know, if you've heard of the Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat, um, Joseph, Jacob gave Joseph this really fancy coat. His brothers were like crazy jealous of him. And Joseph started to have these dreams where he would one day rule over his, his, not only his brothers, but also his father. Well, you can imagine how well that sit with these brothers who were already jealous of him. Long story short, Joseph's brothers wanted to kill him, but one of the brothers, Reuben, talked him, kind of talked him down a cliff, uh, talked him off the, off the ledge, off the ledge, down a cliff, down a, don't, don't talk him down a cliff, off the ledge. And, um, Instead of killing him, they just put him down a well. They, they beat him up and threw him down a well. Same difference. Like you do. Like you do with your siblings. Don't, don't do that to your siblings. Um, so then Reuben kind of disappeared, went off to do something else, and they, his brothers ended up selling him into slavery, and he became enslaved in Egypt. Uh, never to be seen or heard from again from his family. Now his family goes off and kind of does their own kind of dramatic things. You can read about that if you'd like. But what happens to Joseph is that through kind of a comedy of errors, he becomes um, an interpreter of dreams for the Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's having dreams that Joseph interprets as there's going to be a, a famine. So here's the part where you kind of have to take the Bible with a grain of salt. So we all know Egypt was this ridiculously advanced society. And in this story, in this biblical story, it's hilarious because Joseph, who's kind of this podunk kid, comes and explains irrigation to the Egyptians. Wow. <laughs> like, that's where we kind of have to take all of this with a grain of salt. I'm not saying that it's, you know, I'm not trying to make any sort of claim about the inerrancy of the Bible. I'm just saying it's a funny story of this podunk kid explaining to this ex extremely advanced society about the concept of irrigation and saving grain for for times of, of, of want. 
So there's seven years of prosperity, and then thanks to Joseph, the seven years of famine, they have food. Nice. They're the only ones who have food. And so his brothers over here, who are still over here in Canaan, travel to Egypt to get food. Unbeknownst to them, they meet their brother Joseph. Long story short, they end up, Joseph ends up revealing himself and forgiving his brothers for, for what they did to him. Now then, a few years later, Jacob, Jacob, who has been reunited with his son, dies. And now his brothers are worried that he's going, that Joseph is going to exact revenge. Well, Joseph, in this verse, in these passages, 15 through 21 of chapter 50, Joseph reassures his brothers, I'm not going to exact revenge on you. I forgive you. What you intended for good, for bad, God was able to use for good. So that's kind of the crux of the story, is that Joseph is forgiving his brothers, not because they deserve forgiveness, but because God, because he was able to see God's providence through this story, or through what happened. So that's what I'll be focusing on in this sermon. I'm going to spend a lot of time explaining the story, because did you know any of that? Yeah, because of VeggieTales. <laughs> VeggieTales! Before and, VeggieTales was canceled. And there was, a, there was a movie, right? There was a Joseph... The Technicolor Dreamcoat, but then there was like a, a a sequel to The Prince of Egypt. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wait, there was, but I didn't see it. You but... know who voices Joseph? No. Ben freaking Affleck. What? <laughs> yes. That's amazing. J Lo's Bay. That's amazing. <laughs> J Lo's current Bay. J Lo's. I don't know. I think that they, you know, they were Bay and now they're Bay again. So maybe they're in game. Wow, that's yeah. This is wild. While you were describing all of this to me, I was playing the Veggie Tales in my head, and I I just have it's it's framed in like a western. So that is hilarious. It's like when Joseph becomes he becomes the the sheriff of the town. You nice. know, it's really it's really interesting. But yeah, I actually am really happy that I did know all of that story. That's good. Well, I want to be able to set up the ba- the backstory because when you take verses out of like I was saying, when you take verses out of context, it's like what. What's the larger story here? What's going on here? You know, uh, so back to Joseph. Back to Joseph. J-Man. And this is not the Joseph that ends up marrying Mary. Right. This is a separate. This is quite a journey later. Quite a different story. But, so what's going to happen in this sermon is that we're going to take a road down the same path of Joseph and just see how God provided for Joseph and for all of humanity in this story because if we're taking this story at face value because of Joseph thousands if not millions of people were saved from starvation right yeah so God was able to work through this terrible situation circumstance in order to create this providential moment now I want to be very clear in that I am not advocating that every tragedy has some sort of of providential goodness. I am not saying that. Because, let me be clear, shit happens. Mm. And I don't necessarily want you to edit that. Because it's true. Humanity is deeply flawed and deeply sinful. And sometimes really, really terribly tragic things happen and there is no reason for it. There was no reason... For those things to happen there is no not necessarily 
good to come out of every tragic situation. However, God can use tragedy to bring about good. So I hope you understand what the difference in what I'm saying. That there is not necessarily a silver lining in every tragic event. But God can use tragic events to bring about God's goodness in the world. So when we think about this story of Joseph, if God were not present and working in this story, it would have just been a cluster fork of unhealthy family dynamics, of a really tragic family situation turning into murder or turning into somebody becoming enslaved. But God was working. And I think that we can all probably look back on times in our life. And even if we don't have as tragic situations, you know, we can look back on our lives and see there was a really, really terrible situation. But through that situation, God was working. When I was a sophomore in college, there was a quadruple homicide right outside of campus. And I was working on the school newspaper and I had to go cover that event. Wow. It was awful. It was tragic. It was the worst situation I've ever found myself in. Through that situation, I discerned I do not want to be a journalist. Mm. And I, through that, I discerned the call to ministry. And now I am a minister in the Presbyterian Church. Do I think that God calls these four people to be murdered so that I would become a pastor? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Do I think that God used my situation in conjunction with that tragedy to push me in a different direction? Yes. So that is, that is the difference between everything happens for a reason, God's providence, blah, 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 or versus God uses tragic situations or, any, or not necessarily tragic situations. God is working in and through our lives, even in the tragedies. That's what the point of this sermon is. And I hope that we can see that as a church. You know, last week or two weeks ago at this point, I preached about, you know, sometimes we need to take a break and rely on the body. Well, maybe in those tragic moments, in those moments of just like exhaustion, God is still working and God is still moving and creating good out of our weaknesses, out of our tragic moments. Um, and when we sit back and watch... When we take ourselves out of it, when we kind of take a step back and say, you know what, I cannot do this by myself and just watch God work, it's incredible what will happen. You know, we were at a time in the life of this church where um, we were in between music directors. You know, we ha it was kind of a situation where our music, our, our organist left, our music director was on his way out, and we, it was just this big question mark of what's going to happen. Chelsea Holt shows up out of nowhere. So, you know, when you sit back and just kind of allow God to work, just incredible thing, things happen. It was truly out of nowhere, by the way. <laughs> like, can confirm out of nowhere on my side, too, because I was at a place where I, like, was really feeling the void of not being musically active and kind of where I still am on my spiritual journey. Like that's where I find and connect in worship is through music. And I felt this extreme void. 
and I was I was approaching in passing actually it wasn't even intentional I sent an email to a professor and was like hey I think I might actually want a church position if anything comes up and then a week later he got the posting someone had contacted UVA and he said hey I don't know if this is what you're looking for it's 45 minutes out of the way I have no idea what they pay I have no idea what this church is like I have no idea what you're getting into but you asked for information so I thought I'd pass it along and I was just like sure let's let's figure it out and then it kind of went from there but it was truly it was truly out of nowhere and the timing like when I'm looking back on this and thinking like what is this timing of all this like that's pretty coincidental so maybe there are no coincidences maybe there are none (laughs) do we want to talk about what hymns we're doing for the beauty yeah for the beauty of the earth is the first one we're doing yeah of course we gotta keep tradition up and then what are the other two they're on my phone and we're using that 611 oh yeah 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 which will be the 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 song right after the hymn right after the sermon so kind of the response to the sermon is this the one i'm thinking of Oh, yeah, Beethoven! Yeah. yeah! Beethoven's ninth, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. Uh, yeah. I wanted to do the six, Sister Act 2 version, but I think <laughs> we probably have to like pay a lot of money for that. This is great. So, little fun factoid about Beethoven's Ninth Symphony for the two nerds that are probably listening. Myself, when I'm editing, and Ralph. <laughs> Shout out to Ralph. Shout out to Ralph. Uh, Ralph and I are both radio hosts at the local radio station, and we are both classical radio hosts. And the fun thing about the ninth is that it's actually called a choral symphony, which implies there's probably a lot of singing, but there's actually no singing for the first three movements. It just happens in the fourth movement, and it's only like nine minutes to the end or something. So it's actually kind of a misnomer on Beethoven. I don't know who actually did this. And Ralph, this is where I'm wishing you were here fact-checking me because he's way better at knowing this. I don't we'll know if Beethoven... will insert, like, his explanation yeah, right here. Yeah, Oh, man, true. I don't know if Beethoven's Ninth, if he named it a choral symphony or if it became a choral symphony, but second fun factoid and final fun factoid, it is the universally recognized symphony globally. So like Japan uses it for something important and like it has reached the corners of the world from Western classical music all the way to like the Asian countries, which is really cool. Um, So it is like everyone knows this song. Yeah. Um, And in case you're like, what is it again? It's that one. Hey, Chelsea, Ralph here. Yes, I was listening. And the reason why Beethoven's Ninth Symphony is nicknamed the Choral Symphony, and that was not the name that Beethoven gave it, is that it was the very first symphony to use a chorus. What I think is more interesting is how it got into the hymnal in the first place. During the Second Great Awakening in the 1790s, Lowell Mason, who was a composer himself, was shocked at what he thought was the poor quality of hymns being used in America. So he wrote his own hymnal using tunes from composers like Mozart and Haydn and Beethoven. It was published in 1822, and to this day, if there's a version of Beethoven's Ninth or the Ode to Joy in a hymnal, it's derived from Lowell Mason's arrangement. Back to you. That was beautiful. We love that explanation. So yeah, my, my four-year-olds know this because it occurs fairly frequently in a show that they like to watch called Little Einsteins. Little Einsteins. 
<laughs> Dude, whoever is doing the music for Little Einstein is a Little Einstein themselves because right. it is so good. It's so, like, I'm learning so much about these songs that, yeah. It's great. It is, like, my favorite educational show for kids. <laughs> like, it's amazing. Oh, my kids love it. Um, yeah, this, this is really beautiful. The third verse, I think, is probably my favorite. Should we read all of them or just the third one? What do you think? What's the third one? Mortals join the happy chorus, which the morning stars began. Love divine is reigning o'er us, joining all in heaven's plan. Ever singing, march we onward, victors in the midst of strife. Joyful music leads us sunward in the triumph song of life. So good. And I don't know. Do you, do you feel like that resonates, or do you think the first verse resonates more? No, I think, I mean, I think that definitely resonates. Um, the reason that I wanted to have it as a response was because we talk about God's providence. And, like, when we, when we recognize God's providence in our life, the only thing we can do is just say, wow, you know, joyful, joyful, we adore thee. I mean, that's all you can say because, you know, God is just so amazing that it's, it's breathtaking when you really think about the way that God moves in, in our lives. Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to, that to be a recognition of that's all we can say is we adore you. Yeah, God. it's awesome. I love it. Giver of immortal gladness. Immortal gladness. Like, I love the text. And the text was actually written by this dude, Henry Van Dyke, 1907. Oh. So the text was written much later. And actually, Henry Van Dyke was a Presbyterian minister. Heck yeah. Uh, so that's cool. We love Presbyterians. Great. Yeah. What's the third one that we're doing? Uh, 742. We will walk with God. Oh, this is the, um, uh, it's a, yeah, yeah. But it's also... <laughs> Yep, that one. That one, but it's also um, in yes. a different language. Yeah, Let me I see. Is it Swahili? I think I'm gonna. What does it say? Swaziland. Swaziland. Yeah, and I actually tried doing this. This was one of the pandemic fun projects. So in the pandemic, we did uh, online, like much of the rest of the country and doing, or much of the rest of the world, pivoting online to uh, recorded services, music recordings, and. We did this one, and what was really fun in the pandemic, and I think is actually like a gem of the pandemic, was that it challenged me to learn alternate text and the, uh, like, if songs were written in a different language, it challenged me to actually make a, like, an educational attempt, which was cool. Um, and that's not necessarily feasible for a congregation. Some of them are, like, if the, if they're short enough and they're repetitive enough, like this one, I think we could actually try to incorporate some of the uh text from Swaziland um but it's actually a really cool gem of the pandemic is that I had the time to look up pronunciations and practice pronunciations and really make more of a candid effort to honor the other language mm-hmm. which is I get I found to be really really fun so yeah I learned I was introduced to this song um John Bell who is um Oh, he works for the Iona. He's like the head of the Iona community in Scotland. And he has a, an album of kind of music from around the world. And this is one of the songs. And it's um, sung by children so because it's just a really kind of repetitive and, and fun and easy song. Um, and I listen to it. I listen to the album frequently, um, especially when I'm just kind of in a, a funk about just life. Um, so I just really enjoy incorporating these kinds of songs into worship. Um, you know, I think there's, there's a feeling that 
especially in in tradition tradition traditional services that music has to look one way you know very european descended kind of music like beethoven that's kind of but i really love incorporating these more um i don't want to say fun because i feel like that's kind of degrading but just diff uh, different yeah, I mean, um, hymns that are not in our necessarily our native language or or our native culture. Right. Because it the just... The demographics of our church being the native culture. There you go. That was way better than what I was trying to say. Um, but it just, it brings a different feel to it. It brings a different um, kind of flavor to it in a way that's introducing us to um, different cultures and different t- types of worship without crossing that, you know, trying not to cross that line into appropriation. Um, but just introducing us to different ways to worship that it's not better or worse or the, you know, it's just kind of different. Um, but just knowing that our way isn't the correct way. Right. You know, we can incorporate different things. Yeah. I think it also reminds us that Christians are not just Americans, right? Right. Like like the Christian, the big C that we talked about in the last episode, that is global. So honoring, uh, and thinking of our global siblings mm-hmm. I think is is lovely and can be inserted into into music in a way that's educational informative and celebratory yeah I love it yeah so this one's we will walk with God my brothers we will walk with God we will walk with God my sisters we will walk with God we will go rejoicing till the kingdom has come we will go rejoicing till the kingdom has come and the Swaziland title is Siso Humbanaye. I love it because it's like see so humbanaye. Whoa, 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 see so humbanaye. Yeah, it is really great. And it, this is one that if you wanted to uh, go for the pronunciation of the Swaziland stuff, I found it pretty easily online. Yeah. So, I, if I remember correctly, we did this song about two years ago, and Ralph actually played the drums. Nice. That was yeah. really cool. Yeah, the little notes on the so we use the Glory to God hymnal. The notes it says with its themes of commitment and sending. This energetic song from Swaziland works well for ending a time together, either an occasion of worship or some other gathering. The simple tune does not require supporting instruments, but invites percussion and improvisation. And this is, this is a, we actually, we didn't really talk about how we want to do this, but I was actually going to suggest on Sunday, before we had a power outage, random, um, that we do this acapella, that we kind of just... Like, I'll start singing it. I'll, like, have a couple plants in the congregation who will also start singing it. And then we just go for a few, go for a few times. Yeah. And so, like, away from the piano, just communal singing. Or even get Ralph on the drums if he's Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And I think that's also important, too, when we're talking about ways to worship that maybe are non-traditional or unconventional from the Western European classical motif motive uh um is just finding other ways to shake it up a bit right um i think uh when i when i think of worship in its truest form i feel like i'm reminded of david in the psalms and how it often was just one voice lifted up to the lord Mm -hmm. and i think that it's there's something really powerful about not having instruments or not having musicians per se but just singing chorally in song So interesting you bring up David because that reminds me of a story of David. Um, he had brought the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem and he was dancing around pretty much naked. And his wife says, you're being really undignified. Could you please stop? I'm paraphrasing. And, <laughs> <laughs> and his response is, 
for God, I will become even more undignified than this. Wow. Um, and I just love the thought of worship being undignified. Yeah. Because, like, our, our, the, you know, church, Sunday morning church has become so kind of, um, kind of straight lace and yeah. this is what it is. Tight and t- yeah. yeah. And it's just like, let's be undignified. Let's dance. Let's sing. Let's yeah. sing off key. I mean, let, who you cares? Know. Well, that was also like an interesting thing. So there was always a discrepancy growing up in the Baptist church where it's like the, one of the big controversies was whether or not we should dance. Mm. And I always thought it Did was interesting. Did you grow up in that Footloose town? Mm-mm. No. <laughs> it took me a second to get what you were going with that. But I always thought it was really interesting because Vacation Bible School, we would always dance. We yeah. would dance a lot. That was a big, like, thing about Vacation Bible School was, like, learning, dancing moves and expressing whatever. And it was always so funny to me when it was like, oh, well, we're only allowed to dance in Vacation Bible School. I'm like, yeah. how? Why? Well, it's like, it's almost like kids are not seen as actual people. It's like, oh, it's okay if mm. kids do it, but then, like, as soon as you, like, hit puberty or whatever, and you're expected to, like, be, like, become a full human person. And yeah. so maybe that's what the difference is. Yeah, I want to challenge that, you know? I think it'd be pretty fun to have almost like a VBS for adults maybe where yeah, it's like we just have a yeah you come we have games we have songs that we can all sing together like maybe we should do that that'd be yeah. fun worth a shot summer camp for adults I would love that yeah I would love doing I would not love organizing that I would love participating in that. yeah yeah I don't I think that's the fatal flaw of uh, small congregations is I don't think anybody wants to organize that. I don't think anybody wants to organize that we all just want to like do, we all just want to go to the event have it be ready you know yeah. but Maybe. I think that's how we draw out one Sunday I love that that was fun yeah I think that works do we need to go anymore no do we need to sign off yeah, so this has been a podcast. It's with... been real. It's been fun. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk to you later. Yeah. S- signing off. Bye, friends. Okay, <laughs> K- bye.